is also supposed to be joining us. And then the minister, the uh, Joe Heitler, our parliamentary officer there in New York. Yes, thank you.
an affected natural or touristic person, namely a user, healthcare service provider, health establishment or supplier, may furnish a complaint with the fund in terms of procedures determined by the fund in consultation with the minister. And the fund must deal with such complaints in a timeliest manner and in terms of the law. The investigating unit established by the chief executive officer in terms of section 22E must launch an, an investigation to establish the facts of the incident reported and must make recommendations to the chief executive officer as to the way in which the matter may be resolved within 30 days of receipt of the complaint. The complainant must be informed in writing of the outcome of the investigation launched in terms of subsection 2 and any decision taken by the fund within a reasonable period of time. If the fund has made a decision in terms of subsection 3, the fund must provide the healthcare service provider with a notice of the to provide the healthcare service provider with a reasonable opportunity to make representations in respect of such a decision. Consider the representations made in respect of paragraph A and provide adequate reason for the decisions to withdraw or refuse the renewal of accreditation to the healthcare service provider as the case may be. My apologies, honorable members. I have a bit of a sore throat this morning, but uh, we're going to do our utmost best. Uh, I will take hands now, honorable Kaba's hand. Um, <coughs> Ismail, Clark, Wilson, Iwela, Chirua, Albert, Van Staden, and Timber Choir. I'm going to repeat, honorable members, Kaba, Ismail, Clark, Wilson, Suella, Shurwa, Albert, Van Staden, and Timber Choir. In that order, thank you. Gela, Gela. Any other members? Thank you. In that order. Yeah. Thank you, Chair. And uh, morning to all members. Uh, Chair, as the ANC, we wish to confirm that ANC supports. Clause 42.1 for the following reasons. As I raised uh, last week, I'm raising it again now. ANC notes the concerns raised by the stakeholders, such as tech and section 27, that this clause must not limit those persons, uh, those persons who may make representation to healthcare services providers only. To chair that instead they have proposed that the term should be replaced with an affected party so that complaints of any nature, including those persons who are the subject of the complaint and affected third parties, may rely on the section 
to make representation to the fund. Have representations considered by the fund and be provided with adequate reasons for the fund's decision. That was their input earlier. To chair that the ANC support this clause because it clearly states that the fund must develop and implement protocols and procedures for dealing with complaints raised by various stakeholders, including users, patients, providers, and suppliers. This must be clearly communicated and readily accessible. This will ensure that the funds processes around addressing complaints are compliant with the constitution, are compliant with the constitution and the provisions of promotion of administrative justice act. Chair also that the fund must endeavor to deal with all complaints in a fair, lawful, and that the protocols and systems implemented to achieve this constitute reasonable uh, administrative action. Furthermore, Chair, that wish to submit that the NC support clause 42.2 on the following reasons that the fund must be capable of speedily investigating any incident reported to it and must exercise its investigating powers in a fair, non-procedural and transparent manner. The outcomes of such investigations must be speedily reported within the stipulated timeframes. Lastly, Chair, that where deemed necessary, the investigating unit as established by the CEO should be able to forward and furnish relevant information about a specific incident to other bodies such as Healthcare Professional Council and the National Consumer Commission, Health Ombuds of South African Police Services. I submit, Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. I just have a, quite a few clarity-seeking questions or issues to raise here. Firstly, we have currently the Health Ombuds Office and we have the OHSC. Now, there is no real specification on this uh, clause to state how this complaints process will work in relation to the current uh, Health Ombuds Office as set out in the OHSC Act. So there should be some clarity with regard to this. Secondly, I mean, the way I read this clause is the fund, you know, the fund surely cannot both manage the funds and deal with complaints. There must be a sense of impartiality with regard to this. So uh, I just need clarity on this point of impartiality when regarding the fund itself and uh, obviously the how the complaint procedures will be uh, dealt with in an impartial manner. My third point, again, there are no specifications with regard to the governing of fines. Uh, again, you know, if this bill is going to be the core of where we're going to be working with uh, going forward as a health uh, department, there need to be some sort of specifications with regard to regulating all these fines. The fourth issue that I would need to raise is the NHI bill presents a long process, you know, with regard to dealing with these complaints procedures. Um, I think it doesn't, you know, really take into consensus the the grief and pain that uh, really lies with the complainant. So we need to ensure that there are specific timeframes by when these complaints should be addressed and resolved on. 
and uh, neither does it actually specify when the outcomes of these complaints should be related to the complainant. It just says within 30 days, you know, uh, the author establishment must be notified, but it doesn't give specifications on other matters. Uh, lastly, you know, there are no specifications again on what structure should be in place to ensure a small process that will, uh, you know, actually assist in dealing with any complaints as well as a proactive uh, approach that will actually minimize the need of complaints, which will ultimately obviously impact the state fund, you know, impact state funds also with regard most especially due to litigations. So I think uh, my issues here are actually raised with regards to timeframes and specifications. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Um, as previous objections raised, why does the Minister need to be consulted on, comp on the complaints procedure? Um, one dealt with in timeliest manner, there should be a stipulated time period. What would the timeliest manner be? Then the centralization of purchasing either via the NHIF or the DHMOs cannot reasonably be argued to improve efficiencies and local responsiveness. Communities have no say over any aspect of the proposed national framework and the complaints regime is not independent. Then the limitation on natural and juristic persons may prevent partnerships and non-incorporated entities from, from furnishing complaints. Then under two, refer to section 20E, objections on the powers of the CEO, may be resolved. This is vague. Does it mean that it should be resolved within 30 days if the complainant is not required to if the complaint is not required to be resolved within 30 days? What is the point of this section? And then three, what is reasonable time period? And four, noted, however, from a practical point of view, how does the minister or the fund plan to ensure the effectiveness of this section? where the vast majority of public health care providers do not comply with the requirements for registration and receipt of a certificate. Thank you, Chair. May I continue? Yes. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, and I think I'm principally covered by, uh, by um, colleagues who've spoken ahead of me. Um, my major concern with this, and, 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 and this is going on to the next sections as well, is that everything is appointed by the minister. The CEOs, the, everything in this bill is appointed by the minister in consultation with the minister. Now you have a complaints and, and appeal situation where you've actually appointed the judge and the jury yourself. You cannot be the judge and the jury. This kind of thing needs to be done as through an independent entity, uh, and 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 that for me is a huge issue. We cannot sit as the judge and jury. What I can't understand in this section is what happens to private or non-contracted um, hospitals and service healthcare providers who are not contracted to the NHI. Where do they now go? Um, and, you know, do they go to the health ombudsman or are we going to use the health ombudsman in this situation? Um, an investigating unit must be established by the CEO in terms of the section and must launch an investigation to establish the facts of the incident reported and make recommendations. How big is this unit? 
what is this unit going to cost us? It's another unit, it's another board, it's another section, it's another component, all of which are gathering rands at a, an extremely high rate of knots here, um, with no understanding of how big that board is going to be, this um, unit is going to be and what they're going to cost us and what the job description of this unit is. Reasonable time is, is, is an issue for me. Reasonable time by whose standards? I want something done in 24 hours and my neighbor next door wants it in two months. What is a reasonable time and by whose standards are we measuring reasonable time? There must be a stipulation as to what the time is. Um, and then in principle, Chair, I'm covered by the rest of the speakers. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> Thank you, Chairperson, and greetings to colleagues. Well, I rise to indicate that the African National Congress supports clause 42.3 for the following reason. The SAPPF are concerned that the complaint process described in this clause does not adhere to the principles of administrative justice. They are said that the process is incorrect as the complainant is only provided with reasons or the decisions after having made the representations. They are also concerned that no further opportunity for representations after these reasons have been finished is available and does not allow the fund to change its initial decision. They, the ANC is of the view that this clause is compliant with the promotion of Administrative Justice Act since provides for the fund to treat all complainants fairly and dedicate reasonable effort and resources to investigating any complaint raised. Furthermore, this clause is consistent with the promotion of access to information, which promotes the right to access to information in a transparent and accountable manner. We have also indicated in our earlier inputs that the definition section must be enhanced to define the meaning of a reasonable period of time. So I submit, Chair. Thank you very much, Jefferson. I wasn't sure if it's if it was my turn. Good morning, colleagues. Um, these are the deliberations that we are submitting in relation to clause 42. 42.1. Um, this particular aspect is lacking a breakdown of of severity in cases and what would prove, as said before by previous speakers, a reasonable time. And and this is problematic as it's the current status quo and numerous persons are subjected to health decay because there isn't room to decipher complaints on the basis of severity, be it health emergency severity and or the financial implication severity on the part of, of, of the service provider. And then 42.3, what happens in the instance... Was, sorry, can you just speak a bit louder? We can't hear you well inside the chamber. Okay, I'm sorry. Am I audible now? A little bit more and then it should be better. Thank you. Yo, my laptop is literally by my mouth. Am I audible now? Yes, better. Thank you. Okay, must I repeat the first sentiment? Yes, please. 
All right. So on 42.1, we, we are saying that this particular aspect is lacking a breakdown of of severity in cases and what would prove a reasonable time, as said also by previous speakers as well. And this is problematic as it's the current status quo. And numerous persons are subjected to health decay because there isn't room to decipher complaints on the basis of severity, be it health emergency severity and or the financial implication of severity on the part of the service provider. 42.3, what happens in the instance that the fund hasn't communicated the outcome of the investigation within the stipulated time? 42.4.3, does the refusal of application to be part of the fund yeah. equal that the facility is rendered non-functional? Uh, this concern I've raised before, and I'll continue to raise it because the NHA bill in current form doesn't stipulate what are the jurisdictions of healthcare facilities functioning if they don't register for the NHI? And now, in this instance, in relation to the breaking up very badly. We can't hear you at all now. How then does that affect payment of services by persons when utilizing these first aids and or medical? Are you finished or have we lost you now? Honorable Chirwa? I think we've lost uh, Honorable Chirwa. We will come back to Honorable Chirwa. Hopefully our connection will be better when she returns. We will go to Honorable Howard. Thank you, Honorable Chair. I just uh, here rise to support the uh, submission made by Honorable Kappa. 42.1, Also support the submission 42.3 made by Honorable Siwela. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chairperson. As we go further into this bowl, this is a one disaster after another which we are dealing with. This old bowl is going to be one fat disaster. My problem with the is with this course is how can the fund, as my colleague has said earlier this morning, investigating himself when he re- receives a complaint? It's not independent at all. I have a big concern with this clause in 42 in this post because I don't know what the difference be- will be between this fund investigating himself and the health ombudsman, the healthcare professionals council, the office of the health standards compliance. And the South African Medical Association. I can't understand what will the difference between all these organizations be and this fund by itself, and who will play what role after this 
in its Ibalis becoming law. So that is my big concern. And um, I, this is one fat disaster coming our way. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, let, let me start uh, by uh, uh, presenting what Honorable Naledi Chirwa would have done, but because of the problem of load shedding, she could not uh, uh, do that. Um, in connection with Clause 42, 42.1, this particular aspect is lacking a breakdown of severity in cases and what would prove a reasonable time. This is problematic as it's the current status quo, and numerous persons are subjected to health decay because there isn't room to decipher complaints on the basis of severity, be it health emergency severity and or financial implication severity on the part of the service provider. 42.3, what happens in the instance that the fund hasn't communicated the outcome of the investigation within the stipulated time? 42.4C, does the refusal of accreditation to be a part of the fund equal that the facility is rendered non-functional? This concern I've raised before, and will continue to because the NHI bill in its current form does not stipulate what are the jurisdictions of healthcare facilities functioning if they don't register. And now, if they do not get a accreditation also, how then does that affect payment of services by person when utilizing these facilities when ordinarily this would be done with the assistance of medical aids or medical insurance. 42.2, in the instance that a complainant is extremely severe and cannot be conclusive in 30 days, what is the method and or system and why isn't it stipulated in the bill and then because of the above mentioned reasons the EFF would reject the clause and I would continue by saying that the clause does not take into consideration the user as it is not user centered especially with regard to the procedure that needs to be undertaken with specific reference to the structure that is not clear that will deal with the uh, complaints. And as it also has been echoed, the process and timelines has been, uh, are not clear and not transparent and also not clearly specified. And further to say, this is an example of a long-winded procedure that fails to appreciate the magnitude of the grievances on the life of the complainant or the affected. Since the prospective users cannot afford legal representation in their complaints and the appeal sections. And I'm also repeating and uh, uh, supporting also what I read, which was supposed to be uh, presented by the 
by Honorable Naledi Chiwa to say the EFF does not support this clause. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, Chairperson, uh, I rise to support um, Honorable Baba's submission and also Honorable Siwela, Chairperson, uh, in their submission. Um, and also, Chairperson, um, the other issue that I want to uh, for uh, to to make input on. Um, I'm audible, Chair. Yes, you are. Thank you. Continue. Yes, Chair. Uh, Chairperson, on point, uh, on clause uh, 42.2, uh, the ANC supported this clause for the following reasons. The fund must be capable of uh, speedily investigating any incident reported to it, and it must exercise its investigating powers in a fair and non predictionally and transparent manner. The outcomes of such investigations must be speedily reported within a stipulated time frame. My second point, Chairperson, on this submission of a clause 42.2, where a demand necessary, the investigation unity as established by the CO should be able to forward and finish relevant information about a specific incident to other bodies such as the health profession council, the National Consumer Commission, and uh, health ombud and the South African uh, policy uh, service. Thank you, Chair. That will be my submission on this clause 42. And I fully support uh, Honorable uh, Siwela and Honorable Klaba on their submission. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Wilson. You're raising your hand again. Yes, thank you, Chair. And just another point, and sorry, I meant to raise it earlier on, on, on to get some clarity here. Um, these complaints and appeals. Um, so the NHI bill proposes that we roll out services um, on a, con- you know, it's, it's a rollout process that will start with some services under the NHI and then those will extend and the situation will grow. However, this section does not stipulate at all whether the complaints and appeals that we get here are in relation only to those that the bill is currently paying for in terms of the rollout and if so what happens to the rest and if it is only for those um, uh, services that the NHI is contracted in at that point in time where does this leave everybody else um, there's, there's a total disconnect here and I, I can't relate one to the other um, because it is so unclear as to what this the section is trying to do thank you chair thank you very much anybody left out to uh, honorable members 
If not, from myself on clause 42, I want to speak to clause 42.4, A to C. And uh, the ANC supports this clause. And the ANC asserts that clause 42 in its entirety provides an interrelated and clear approach that the fund must apply when a complaint is lodged in terms of subsection 3. Fund must ensure that it provides all providers with channels through which they can reasonably make representations in respect of any decision the fund reaches against the said provider. And the fund must have mechanisms for clearly considering such considerations of representations. In instances where the fund withdraws or refuses to review the accreditation of a healthcare service provider, the reasons for such a decision must be communicated to the said provider using acceptable communication channels and within a reasonable period of time. And it was suggested by Honorable uh, Siwela earlier that uh, within the definition section, uh, we need to enhance uh, this part and the meaning of a reasonable period of time. The honorable members, I also want to support what honorables uh, Gela, Kaba, and Suela had put forward. Yeah, thank you, Chair. No, Chair, I, I just rise to support what we have just raised now. But just one minute, Chair, if you could just check with the staff for them to fix the electricity, maybe. Support what you have Thank you. Thank you. We are all struggling with the powering our systems, uh, our laptops, etc. at the moment. Uh, so we're fully aware. That is why the staff member has been, I think it's an electrician, who's been going around trying to fix our problem. Thank you, Honorable Kaba. Honorable members, it will bring us now to clause 43. We will uh, break for tea time at um, 11 o'clock, so I'm going to read a clause 43. Yes, so there's a suggestion we break at 11.30, we can even do that. We will see where we are in the clauses between 11.30, uh, between 11 and 11.30, and we'll break then for tea time. Honourable members, uh, clause 43, the heading is lodging of appeals. A natural or juristic person, namely a user, healthcare service provider, health establishment or supplier aggrieved by a decision by or of the fund delivered in terms of section 42 may within a period of 60 days after receipt of written notification of the decision appeal such uh, against such decision to the appeal tribunal. Any hands? Wilson. Ismail. Fun started. Clark. Howard, Timber Quayo, Timber 
Anyone else there? Yeah. Gela? Churua? Kamba, Siwela, Wilson, Ismail, Van Staden, Clark, Harvard, Dembequire, Gela, Churua, in that order. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Chair, the ANC supports Clause 43 for the following reasons. As an entity entrusted with ensuring that every registered user has access to healthcare benefits rendered through accredited and contracted providers and health establishment, it is inevitable that the fund will receive complaints from various parties. Chair two, that the fund may also reach decisions against such complaints to which they are dissatisfied and would like to appeal. This provision is, in the, is important that it ensures that the fund will have an appeal tribunal vested with the necessary power to review the decisions reached by the fund and make necessary determinations. Chair, furthermore, that the ANC support clause 44.1. Uh, okay, you are, we are on 43, Chair. Okay, I'll come to 44 later. I just wish to raise that submission on clause 43. Thanks, Chair. Thank you, Chairperson. I, I rise to indicate that um, the African National Congress supports 43 for the following reasons. Honorable Governor has already spoken to some of these, but I would like to indicate that uh, this clause also addresses the concerns raised by the stakeholders such as the TAC and Section 27, that this clause must not limit those persons who may make representations to health care services providers, only as it encompasses users, health care service providers, health establishment or supplies. Therefore, it is not necessary to have the proposed replacement with the team and affected party as these parties have been provided for. And I equally support the contribution or the submission made by Honorable Kaba. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chairperson. It's a brief, um, it's a brief paragraph, so not much can be said except that again, I'm going back to the previous paragraph. Um, so here, at least we have a stipulated period of sixty days. I'm not sure why it's not in forty-two. If it was fine to put it in forty-three, um, and what does one lodge an appeal against? Against the services that the NHI is rendering at that stage or against any health services um, at that stage. Um, and if that is the case, well, then where does the health ombudsman fit into this? Thank you, Chair. Um, thank you, Chair. I'm just concerned, uh, is when you're reading this clause, you know, um, it gives the impression that only people involved in the complaint are allowed to appeal it. So I don't know, maybe the legal advisors can actually, you know, advise on this when they do tell us what's going on with, the, with this NHI bill. Should it, in, it actually include, uh, you know, the complainant or the respondent who is aggrieved by a decision of the fund? 
because uh, the clause is it's stated now it's very closed and I think uh, it's, it give, doesn't give the opportunity for others that uh, all other you know other relevant people to actually appeal it as well. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Once again, I can't see where is the independency in this post 43 also as well as in post 43. You lodge a complaint at the fund. The, the investigation is getting done by the fund itself. And judgment is giving, being given by the fund itself. Then you appeal at the fund. Then if you go further, um, the fund claims the same power as the High Court. If we go to section 45 later on, you will see that. And appeal judgment is being given by the fund. So where's the independence in this, um, in this whole matter? Thank you. Honorable Doc. Thank you, Chairperson. I've largely been covered. I'm also just concerned about the lengthy time period because if it's not resolved within 60 days, then you might, you can appeal against the decision to the appeals tribunal, you know, and I am just wondering, you know, how that is going to ensure that our medical legal claims then are escalated because of the lengthy time frames we are going to have to deal with in terms of these appeals. And um, as Member van Staden said, the independency of this body is really a major concern. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Chair. I just rise to support the submission made by Honorable Gaba and the Honorable Siwela. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. I think, uh, uh, yeah, I'm following Harvard, Honorable Harvard. But uh, um, the clause of 43, um, the practicabilities remains a problem here, especially for those who rely on public facilities due to the vagueness that ranges from the role of the provinces to the interplay between the new district management offices and units on how this process will be re reported in the ultimate end. And uh, also to consider the fact that uh, there has been backlogs in the whole uh, uh, National uh, Department of Health, what is going to happen now? And uh, due to uh, the reasons that I have made, uh, the EFF will not support this clause. And further matters uh, of substantial nature will be given by Honorable Naledi Chirwa of the Economic Freedom Fighters. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chairperson. I hope I'm audible this time. I, I went outside for better network. There's load shedding in my area. Um, on clause 43, uh, the appeal period should be scrapped. Access to information, especially with the Department of Health, really arrives to specified persons on time. Poor people should be considered in relation to accessing re legal recourse. Even the current legal recourse available for the poor isn't as effective and accessible as it's meant to be. And second to this, more so, access to legal advice isn't an immediate reality for majority of our people in the country, including the middle class who survive from hand to mouth. 
and have no room of financing legal issues that may need legal advice and legal assistance. This shouldn't be a threat in regards to attaining justice uh, in relation to appeals for their healthcare grievances. The limitations of the law cannot be cited as possible barriers uh, in relation to scrapping the, the appeal time as regulations and laws can be amended to make room for this liberty, like with other laws that are meant to be amended to make room for the close of the NHI bill. There should be no rush in resolving the health grievances, especially of users, particularly when it comes to appeals. South Africa has a history of gross violation of human rights, which is protected by such clauses in other laws as well. An example is the fosterization debacle. Majority of the victims of fosterization only found out they were forcefully violated years later and therefore couldn't do the formal application of negligence as the law only makes room for such cases to be reported within three years. It's upon this premise and precedence that this clause must be amended and make room for timeless appeals. The point of this aspect is to render justice, not to create an opportunity to refuse healthcare justice to our people, more so poor people. The EFF rejects this clause. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Chairperson. Chair, I rise to support uh, Honorable Kaba, uh, Honorable Suela, uh, on their submission. Uh, but I also want to make my submission, Chair, on this clause 43. As African National Congress, we support at Laws 43 uh, for the following reasons, which are more relevant. Uh, the first point, Chair, that I want to make, uh, this clause is consistent with ensuring good governance and supporting fairness in the decision-making process of the fund in terms of provision of Administrative Justice Act. Secondly, Chair, the, the period of 60 days is supported because it provides sufficient time to consider and formulate their response to the decision of the fund. I hope, Honorable Wilson, you are uh, covered. Uh, your consent will be addressed. But also, Chair, the other point is that um, in this way, aggrieved parties will be provided with opportunity to take particular decisions reaching by the fund under review by an independent panel and structure. And also this one, it's also addressing the concern of Honorable Funds Garden. Um, I hope they will be addressed. Um, this clause uh, also addressed the concern raised by stakeholders such as uh, THC and Section 27 that this clause must not uh, limit those persons who may make uh, representations to the healthcare uh, uh, to the healthcare services provider. Uh, only as it uh, compasses uh, users, healthcare services provider, health establishment or supplier. I submit a uh, chairperson. Thank you very much. Any honorable members I missed out? No one else. 
Honorable members, also from myself, uh, I see there's a discussion about the 60 days, but when one does read the clause, it says within a period of uh, 60 days meeting, one can do that as early uh, as possible. Those who would want to appeal, it doesn't restrict uh, the person. In fact, it seems like it, uh, it allows at least uh, a lengthy period of time so that those who are not able to respond quickly enough would be able to do that. So from myself, um, I support what uh, Honorable Staba, Siwela and Gela have raised um, with regards to this clause. And we will therefore go on to clause 44, which speaks to the appeals tribunal. And I will read the clause. Chairperson, what about tea time? What about? Tea time. <laughs> thank tea you. Time. No, tea thank time. you very much, Honorable Tim McQuire. Uh, I did earlier say we will have tea time a little bit later, we're considering how the clauses go, firstly and secondly, because we started a bit late. We thought we'd try and put tea time in between, more into the center or in the middle of that time period. I hope that's acceptable to you. So after this clause 44, we will go for tea time. I hope that's acceptable. So, we had load shedding. We never had any opportunity to drink tea, some of us. The, the electricity came just now, and I don't want to go out of this. Can, can you give us tea time, please? We are asking, honestly, can you, you give us tea time, please? Yes. Honorable I think we have uh, indicated the collective view of the committee. So uh, we request to honorable to kindly respect the view already taken a decision thank you no it was not a collective view it was it was a matter expressed by the chairperson just on on a point and we don't have to make arguments you, here we you, all have got the right you, to you have already made a decision on a matter it's just the time let's have the time thank you very much
proceeding is appeal tribunal and I will read an appeal tribunal is hereby established consisting of five persons appointed by the minister one member appointed on account of his or her knowledge of the law which also which must also be the chairperson of the board two members appointed on account of their medical knowledge and two members appointed on account of their financial knowledge. A member of the appeal tribunal appointed by the minister in subsection one must serve as a member for a period of three years, which is renewable only once. A member ceases to be a member if he or she resigns from the appeal tribunal the minister terminates his or her membership on good cause or the term for which the member was appointed has expired and has not been renewed or after a second term may not be renewed. I will take hands now, honorable members. Honorable. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 In the following order, honorable members, Gela, Ismail, Kaba, Clark, and Stardon. Wilson, Siwela, Temakwayo, Havak. Kela, Ismail, Kaba, Clark, Van Staden, Wilson, Siwela, Temakwayo, Havak. Thank you. You may proceed. Chirwa. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Chair, in Clause 42, uh, the African National Congress support at loss 44.2 for the following reasons. As per the proposed amendment to the clause uh, 44.1, where the minister, after consultation with the cabinet, uh, will appoint the appeals uh, tribunal, it is a standard practice that such uh, tribunals have a three year term. Secondly, Chair, this provision is consistent with the requirement of a setting up such structures, such as the Council for Medical Schemes Appeal Boards. Thirdly, Chair, it also ensures appropriate that there is a maintenance of good governance, a transparency and fairness for the appealants. Thank you, Chair. That will be my submission on plots uh, 44. Um, thank you, Chair. I just have a few issues that I want to raise. Firstly, and most importantly, is the issue of the minister in the involvement of the appointments. Secondly, I want to again highlight the impartiality of this clause. Thirdly, um, while there's some specifications with regard to medical knowledge, et cetera, et cetera, 
there is no transparency on the, you know the nomination process and the final final appointments you know actually being published in the government gazette a few other issues are conflicts of interest and um, section 3 you know where it states the specific there's no specifications of good cause where the minister will be able to a, to do a b and c and d on a good cause we need some criteria of what does a good cause mean there's again no specification on deceased members how that will be handled there's no specification on disqualification criteria and it doesn't specify the quorum requirements uh, for this particular section thank you thanks chair uh, chair i rise to support uh, what honorable keller had uh, uh, already mentioned on clause 44. Furthermore, Chair, to uh, make my inputs on uh, clause 44.1 to indicate that the ANC support this clause under the following reasons. Uh, ANC notes the inputs from the National Planning Commission in which N NPC is concerned that powers vested in the appeals tribunal that is on clause 45, that is appointed by minister as excessive and may lead to potential conflict of interest and perceptions that the process is not sufficiently neutral. To chair that it is our considered view that the tribunal will assist in ensuring that any decision reached by the fund against a given party or where the parties are unhappy with such a decision, a review process, a, a review process is undertaken to assess the fairness of the decision and its administrative appropriateness. Chair, furthermore, that similar to appeal board of the Council for Medical Aid, for Medical Council Medical Schemes, the Minister of Health appoints the members of this board for the period or term after three years. The ANC therefore supports the minister's role in the appointment of the appeals tribunal after consultation with the cabinet. The minister has never interfered with the functioning of the appeals board at CMS, which is most instances has been chaired by the judge. The NC therefore proposes the following minor amendments on clause 44.1. That an appeal tribunal is hereby established consisting of five persons appointed by the minister after consultation with the cabinet. That is an amendment we are proposing there. We further uh, propose that minor amendment to the clause 44.1a that says one member appointed on account of his or her knowledge of the law who must also be the chairperson of the appeal tribunal. I submit, Chair. As earlier indicated, I support what uh, Honorable Gela had raised. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Honorable Kawa, just to make certain I heard you correctly. You're making an amendment to suggestion of amendment to clause 
And then also uh, clause 44, 44 1.8. You use the word, appeal, two words, appeal tribunal instead of the word board. You replace yes. it with board. That's Thank correct. Yeah. Next is Honorable Clark. Thank you, Chairperson. I'm 44 1, appointed by the Minister. Once again, complete lack of independence. These positions should either be advertised in the Gazette or appointed by the FUD without undue influence from the minister. The effect of this section is the minister becomes the judge, the jury, and the executioner. 1A, the bill allows the minister to pick the chairperson of the board, who then automatically becomes part of the appeals tribunal against the decision made by the fund. There is no independence once again from the decision of the fund to the appeals tribunal. There is no requirement in section 14 that a chairperson must have knowledge of the law. This must then be brought in as an additional requirement in section 14. Then two, what is the reason for the difference in between the members of the board and the CEO for five-year term and someone on the appeals tribunal stipulated at three years? And 3B, termination by the minister, this opens up to abuse from the minister, especially when decisions go against the fund or the minister. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Now, as, as I've said earlier this morning, the whole matter of independency is also further under threat under this, this clause of the law. But the fact of the matter that the minister is doing appointments of the appeal tribunal, which, as I said earlier on, on previous meetings, that actually the minister should be taken out of all clauses in, in this voluntary replaced by Parliament. Because the fact of the matter is, Chairperson, that the, the independency, oversight, Parliament oversight, and transparency in this whole bill is, is out of the door and out of the window. And so, therefore, um, the independence in my eyes is, is, is totally. Uh, under threat in, in this MSR bill. There's no independency whatsoever, and we've been talking the whole morning about this matter. So that's my input. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chairperson. I, I, I just, I, I don't know how we're going to manage this. I think we're sitting now with like six boards, an investigation unit, now a an appeals tribunal, all of which, all members of which have to be paid, all of which have to be remunerated. All of this needs to be established before we spend one cent on healthcare, hospitals, or infrastructure. It can't be done. It is not possible. Not until you can show me where the money is coming from. This, we, all we have discussed from the time we started this whole process was this board, that board, that tribunal, that setup, that setup, that setup, all of which requires people. High school people, you can at an astronomical cost, um, and and we haven't even discussed one thing yet where we will spend it on a hospital or on a on a on a bill or on a service provider or on a medicine. And on top of all of that, and I'm going to reiterate what my, my colleagues are saying: where is the transparency in all of this? Everything is done. Everything is done through the minister who is going to control the entire system, the entire system, literally on his own at this stage, because everything, the minister has to be involved and do everything here, 
God alone knows when he's going to do his job and what he's supposed to be doing to sort out our bloody file up of the health system already. Um, and it just can't be done. It can't be done. Um, uh, and appealing what? Are we appealing because the NHI fund didn't pay for what they should have? Or are we appealing because this hospital didn't have water for three days, which has got nothing to do with the fund? None of that is clarified in any of these sections. This cannot be done. I actually don't even know why we are continuing with the process. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chairperson. I rise to support the submission by Honorable Kella and Honorable Kava with regard to clause 44. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Thank you Chairperson. Uh, pertaining to clause 44, which we definitely feel it's not necessary to be included uh, in the NHI bill, but because the ANC people are forcing these things into our mouth and then into uh, the whole of South Africa, and that means they can fail. Uh, but to say uh, we need more transparent and, and public in, involvement, and uh, we recommend that to, to happen. And then to say that the appointment process should be located in Parliament and power for appointment be diffused. We are so sick and tired of all this, uh, everything is done by the minister. They appoint, all the appointments are done by the minister. So the power for appointment should be diffused from the minister to include at least a greater role for other stakeholders to create checks and balances against undue political influences, thus avoiding a risk of political co-option. The, the appeal tribunal must have the power to appoint its chairperson, not the minister alone. So as a result, the EFF does not support this clause, and we recommend that it, it should be scrapped. And uh, I will support the Honorable Chiros uh, further reasons for the rejection of this clause. Thank you. Chair. Honorable Chair, I just rise to support the submission made by Honorable Gala 44.2 and also support 44.1 made by Honorable Gaba with a minor change. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, I'm struggling with network this side. Please be patient with me. Um, on clause 44, I will support the submissions made by Honorable Dr. Susan Timberwai. And furthermore, on 44.1, centralization of power, and this has been mentioned quite a number of times, and I'm reiterating this sentiment because I think it's about due time you realize the importance of this issue, which is being ignored um, in the entire bill. And it's a recurring issue and, and something that should be looked into very, very, uh, very much. On the same 
thing, the appeal board and all the other aspects mentioned in the duration of these deliberations should be noted as such that the Portfolio Committee of Health should be in the very least be involved in the process as it has been done before where viable or possible candidates are then interviewed by the portfolio committee and then recommended to the minister to make his decision in the very least. And 44.3c reasons for non-renewal should be should be stated. It's, they're not overtly stated, more so as this clause gives the minister, the entire bill gives minister undue power and authority and thus weakens transparency and partiality. And especially in a matter regarding the appeal tribunal. Um, 44.3b Terms of, of reference do not cater for the term good cause as a term. And therefore, the terms relating to the meaning of good cause should be stipulated in the terms of reference as it's also a recurring concern. A good cause in relation of a termination of a board member should not be an encompassing term, more so in a bill that exclusively gives ministers so many powers and excludes body that is meant to hold the minister accountable. That is the PC of health and parliament. So for these reasons and the reasons stated by Dr. Honorable Susan why the EFF rejects this clause. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you. Anyone left out? Honorable members, I also support and the ANC supports clause 443, 43A to C for the following reasons. The provisions ensure that, uh, that any appeal tribunal member who violates the conditions of his or her appointment can be removed by the minister as the appointing authority following a duly outlined process. This is important for overall oversight, good governance and functioning of the appeals tribunal for the benefit of the affected parties. We, uh, I also wish to support the uh, submissions of Honorables uh, Kaba and Gela. And we will now move on to clause 45. It is uh, headed as the powers of the Appeal Tribunal. The Appeal Tribunal has the same power as a High Court to summon witnesses, administer an oath or affirmation examine witnesses, and call for the discovery of documents and objects. The appeal tribunal may, after hearing the appeal, confirm, set aside, or vary the relevant decision of the fund, or order that the decision of the fund be effected. I will take hands, honorable members. Okay. Honorable members in this order, Hubbard, Ismail, Clark, Wilson, Suella, Carver, Van Staden. Hubbard, Ismail, 
Clark, Wilson, Suela, Kaba, and Stardom in that order. And Gala. You may start, Honorable Abbott. Um, thank you, Honorable Chair. Uh, ANC supports Clause 45, 1.8 uh, to D for the following reasons. Similar to the CMS Appeal Board, which has the powers of the High Court to summon witnesses to cause an oath or affirmation to be administered by them, to examine them, and to call for the production of books, documents, and objects. It is appropriate that the Pew Tribunal of Fund has the powers as a high court. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair. I just have a few issues that I would like to raise. Number one, since this clause states that the appeal tribunal has the same powers as the high court, I'm seeking clarity. Would this mean that the appeal tribunal can actually make orders on costings? Secondly, does this also mean that parties appealing before the tribunal can have the same rights uh, as they would have, you know, at a high court like legal representation? Thirdly, you know, I think it's very important that we need to have more specifics on these things in this particular clause. And I'm also concerned that if we say that it's going to be functioning as a high court, it actually essentially means that the NHI is actually giving a platform or providing a a, a, a parallel platform to the High Court, and does this then not uh, obscure or does it not actually take away the rights to take this matter further if they're not happy in this particular on on the particular outcomes of this special tribunal? Um, thank you, Chairperson. Um, the section is noted, however. The tribunal does not have the jurisdiction to condone late appeals after 60 days. It must either allow for such condemnation, allow no appeals after 60 days whatsoever, or allow the appellant to approach the High Court. Thank you, Chairperson. I think I'm principally covered. Um, my, my, my whole problem with this is that we have the judge, the jury, the chief justice, and the executioner now all appointed by the minister. Thank you, Honorable Siwela. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. I rise to indicate that the African National Congress supports clause 45.2a to b for the following reasons. Similar to the CMS Appeals Committee, the Appeals Tribunal may, after the hearing, confirm or vary the decision consent or rescind it and give it another decision as they seem just. These provisions are consistent with those outlined in Chapter 8 of the Constitution of the Republic, specifically those relating to High Court under Section 169. This provision is also consistent with Section 7 of the Promotion of Administrative Justice Act. And further to indicate that I support the submission made by Honorable Harvard 
on clause 451A to D. Thank you. Honorable Kava? I think uh, just to be brief and on point, I rise to support what Honorable Harvard had raised on clause 4518D. Also on what Honorable Suela had raised on clause 452A to B, which is quite clear and assisting us on the NHI chain. Thank you. Let's start it. Thank you, Chairperson. Yes, like now, this clause, the Manistan government is hereby claiming a lot of power to themselves because the danger I see arising from this clause is that a complainant, in my point of view, will not be able to approach any court if an appeal is not uh, um, upheld. Um, so I, I would rather suggest that we urgently get a legal opinion on this matter from the legal people sitting here, but I would suggest a um, legal opinion from the sectors outside of Parliament as well, um, because this is very dangerous and I see there's trouble coming. Thank you, Chairperson. Thanks, Chair. Uh, Chairperson, I rise to support uh, Honorable Harvard on clause 45.1 and also Honorable uh, Suela on clause uh, 45.2 on their submission. Thank you, Chair. Anyone left out, Honorable Members, who wants to raise their hand? If not, I support the... uh, Submissions made by Honourable uh, Suela and uh, and uh, and Howard and Howard. Um, we will move on to to clause forty five, forty six. Clause forty six and it reads as follows. The Chief Executive Officer of the Board must designate a staff member of the Fund to act as Secretary of the Appeal Tribunal. And the Fund must keep the minutes and all records of a decision of the Board for a period of at least three years after the decision has been recorded. I will take hands, Honorable Mayor. Ismail, Wilson, Kaba, Siwela, Habert. I'm going to repeat. Gela, Ismail, Wilson, Kaba, Siwela, Habert. Honorable Chamber Choir. Mm-hmm. 
in that order, we'll add the race as they raise their hands. Honorable Geller, you may start. Thank you, Chairperson. Chairperson, the African National Congress supports Clause 46 uh, for the following reasons. One, this provision is consistent with the administrative uh, procedures and uh, fairness and fairness and, 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 and the procedure and process implemented by similar bodies with regard to supporting the enabling, uh, the functioning and operations of appeal um, tribunals. Secondly, Chair, the proposed uh, minor changes should read as follows in this clause. Uh, the chief executive officer of the board must uh, designate a staff member uh, of the fund to act as a secretary for the appeal tribunal must keep the minutes and all records of the decision of the tribunal for the period of at least three years after the decision has been uh, recorded. Uh, thirdly, Chair, uh, the existence of the secretariat with assist with assist um, the records keeping and also ensure that in instances where aggrieved parties require access to a specific information, they may be granted such access as per the Promotion of Access to Information Act. I thank you, Chair. That will be my submission in Clause 46. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Uh, I'm just concerned, you know, that the appeals tribunal must function independently. And I think this is very, very important. There must be impartiality. Now, shouldn't the, the, the tribunal have its own members and infrastructure since, the, you know, these must be a separation or there must be a separation from the appeals tribunal and the board? You know, uh, English is a very ambiguous language, and I, I'm not sure if I'm just too intricate with reading these clauses coming from an assessor and moderator background, but I'm not seeing any impartiality in these clauses that we are dealing with right now, and it's very, very worrisome. Uh, I think, yes, we need the legal advisors to look into this because it's becoming more and more uh, concerning that uh, there's just there's too much... Uh, Inter, interlinking of the fund and the appeals tribunal and it's defining the purpose of actually having an appeals tribunal if everything is going to be linked and there's going to be no impartiality. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chairperson. I, I, I simply need clarity on, on this clause um, that the, the fund must keep the minutes and all records of decisions of the board for a period of at least three years after the decision has been recorded. And perhaps our legal advisors can can clarify this for me, but my understanding was, and particularly if these, if the fund and this appeals tribunal have such mega powers and are chief justices on their own, do legal documents, certainly those that have a legal implication, not be kept, have to be kept for five years, not three? 
it's five. I don't know why there's three here. Um, legal documents and anything with implications from, for any tax or anything needs to be kept for five years, and yet there's only a three-year recommendation um, on this clause. Honourable members, I've noted the hand now for later. Honourable uh, Honourable Chiru, Honourable Stirwa and Clark. Chemakwayo uh, is already raised. So next is Kava. So we Kava, Suela, Hava, Chemakwayo, Stirwa and Clark. Che, thanks. Uh, to my submission, I'm raising my hand to support what Honorable Gela had said on Clause 46, Chair. Thank you, Chair. I submit. Thank you, Chairperson. Equally, I also rise to indicate the ANC support for Clause 46, as outlined by Honorable Gela, supported by Honorable Kaba. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair. I also rise to support a, a submission made by Honorable Gaila. Thank you. Honorable Dr. Chair uh, Thank you, Chairperson. Let me start by uh, raising the, the, the information on clause 42, which was supposed to be raised by Honorable uh, Chirwa but because of network issues, she cannot be able to. Number one, clause 46, the records of the decisions of the board must be kept indefinitely. The ICT system for this purpose must include this aspect. Force the sterilization case reference as in clause 44 submission. And to, to say that the EFF rejected this clause, and from my point, I'll just say I am supporting uh, the submission of Honorable Chirwa in connection with Clause uh, 46, uh, representing the economic freedom fighters. And um, the only reason that I will give is that it's due to lack of details relating to the Secretariat uh, and, the, and because of the contradicting uh, functions, as it is also included in this. So, the EFF rejects this clause. Thank you. Chairperson, I have I have presented her submissions. I started with them first. Chair. All right. Honorable Clark. Chairperson, um, just what Member Wilson raised about the five-year period around legal documentation. It's also important to note that any financial records need to be kept for 10 years. So, I mean, those are really important aspects um, that need to be considered in terms of this clause. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honourable Members. I also support what has been raised uh, by uh, Honourable Gela. Uh, as the ANC, we uh, have now completed up to clause 46. Sorry, Chairperson. Yes, Honorable Chirwa. I'm not sure if Dr. Uh, Honorable Dr. Zun was able to share my sentiments as well, 
I lost my network for a bit there. Yes, she did. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Jefferson. So, honorable members, we will go up to clause 47 today for the following reasons. One is that uh, we have a, a committee of chairpersons meeting. So you would have noted that uh, we had given uh, less time uh, allocated to today's meeting. Second one is that we still have to attend to minutes to consider and adopt some minutes. Uh, and so we will finish uh, complete after close 47, go directly to the minutes and then have a, a short uh, closing remarks from myself. Thank you. Clause 47, the heading is procedure and remuneration. It reads as follows, the minister in consultation with the minister of finance and the fund must determine the terms, conditions, remuneration and allowances applicable to the members of the appeal tribunal. A member of the appeal tribunal must recuse him or herself if it transpires that he or she has any direct or indirect personal interest in the outcome of the appeal and must be replaced for the duration of the hearing by another person with similar knowledge appointed by the minister. The appeal tribunal must determine the outcome of the appeal within 180 days after the lodgement of the appeal and inform the appellant of the decision in writing and the secretariat appointed in section 46 must keep record of all proceedings and outcomes. Nothing in the section precludes an aggrieved party from seeking suitable redress in a court of law that has jurisdiction to hear such a matter. I'll take hands, Uwela. Uwela, Clark, Kela. Sisma, Kaba, Wilson, Kaba, Isma, Isma. I'm going to repeat Siwela, Clark, Gela, Kaba, Wilson, Hubbard, Ismail. Siwela, Clark, Gela, Kaba, Wilson, Hubbard, Ismail. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Once again, I rise to indicate the ANC support for Clause 47.4 for the following reasons. This provision is consistent with the constitutionally enshrined rights where an aggrieved party can seek redress in a court of law as outlined in Chapter 8 and the relevant jurisdictions outlined for the various courts that is section 167 as it relates to the Constitutional Court, section 168 as it relates to the Supreme Court of Appeal, and section 169 on High Courts. The existence of the Appeal Tribunal as a provision in this Act should not preclude aggrieved parties from seeking redress in the country's judicial system when deemed necessary. This is supported by the option of redress 
that also exist in the appeals board of the CMS, which makes provision for a person to seek relief from the High Court at any stage during the appeal process. This should happen after the fund has exhausted its internal processes as provided for in Section 7 of the Promotion of Administrative Justice Act. So I submit, Chair. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, clause one, I mean, what is the re remuneration going to be? More information is needed. Will the Minister of Finance provide additional budget in terms of this? Um, will this be um, calculated within the uh, annual health budget or how are we going to pay all these people? And we've raised this several times during this meeting. Then on two, this would open up to possible abuse from parties or the minister where there are only five members on the tribunal in any event. It can be assumed that there would be an extremely large backlog of complaints that will be lodged each year, and this would slow down the entire process. It's strongly recommended that the whole process is amended to simply allow parties to approach the magistrate or high court in an ordinary course as per subsection four below. Um, and then three, there are clear time periods that an appeal must be determined in, but no set time periods in section 42 for the initial complaint. A time clause should be added to section 42 as well to, to ensure uniformity. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, firstly, I want to support uh, the submission of Honorable Suela. Chairperson, uh, my submission, uh, ANC support clause 47.1 for the following reasons. This provision will ensure that the fund uh, remunerates all members of the Appeal Tribunal utilizing the provisions of the Public Finance Management Act 1999, which in part aim to ensure that all revenues and assets of government are managed efficiently and effectively. Secondly, Chair, the fund must also ensure that the remuneration rate that paid all uh, tribunal members are consistent and compliant with the national uh, treasury prescript that may be released and updated from time to time. Uh, that will be my submission, Chair. Thank you very much. Thanks, Chair. Chair, the ANC supports clause 47.2 under the following reasons. Firstly, that the ANC notes inputs from the National Planning Commission, in which the NPC is concerned that the powers vested in the appeals tribunal, especially on clause 45, that is appointed by the minister, as an excessive and may lead, may lead to... Uh, 
may lead, may lead to potential conflict of interest and perceptions that the process is not sufficiently neutral. Say that the provision is supported by the ANC as it ensures that any member with a conflict of interest regarding a matter saving one tribunal is excluded from its proceedings. This will prevent undermining the veracity of the tribunal decision and ensures that transparent and accountable governance for all its decisions. Enabling the minister after consultation with the cabinet chair, after consultation with the cabinet to proactively appoint a replacement for duration of the hearing to which the applicable conflict of interest arises, ensures that the capacity and knowledge base of the tribunal is not weakened to the detriment of his decisions. I also chair rise in support of what Honorable Suela had raised and Honorable Gela had raised on clause 47, chair. I submit. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. I'm very, very glad that our Minister of Health is actually a doctor. Because I think when he goes into the Minister of Finance to present this little lot and the costs that are accrued around there, he might have to give the Minister of Finance CPR. Because I think this is getting higher and higher as we go along. So thank heavens that's a good combination, one to save the other. Um, I'm principally covered by most people. Um, but I think, you know, what one must always consider is that the appeal within um, 180 days, that's six months. It's a very long time when the health or finances of a patient or a service provider or a, or a supplier um, is involved here. And um, we already have a situation in this country where, where service providers are just quite simply not being paid. Um, and to then to prolong the situation even further, I think it's going to be hugely problematic. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honourable Chair. I just raised to support submission made by Honourable Gela and also Honourable Siwela and Honourable Ogaba. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair. Uh, I'm actually partly covered by my colleague regarding the remuneration and allowances. However, I would request the legal advisors to look into the amount of days because I think the normal amount of days would be uh, either 90 days or, I mean, in this case, we've got a situation where we have an appeals tribunal that's actually uh, acting or having the same platform as a high court. And if we're looking at the high court, it says 120 days from the date on which the order of tribunal is received uh, by the assessors of the principal chief commissioner. So obviously we... we you know, it's it's a little difficult situation here when you know when you're working out of context of a high court because the appeals tribunal is the high court itself going to the NHI. So I think we need the legal advisors to actually look into this chair. Thank you. Are Thank you, you very much, able to hear me now. I can hear you now. Thank you. Okay, on clause 47, 
in in the case that the appeal is unfavorable to the user in particular that is unfortunately poor or financially incapacitated to access supreme court assistance or intervention what then happens and second to that the clause in the of the We can't hear you, Honorable Chirwa. delay and eventually denial of justice to poor people. Can you send that to me or, 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 or ask Dr. Dermbakwario to raise that on your behalf? Did you hear me there, Honorable Chirwa? Honorable members, I will raise my views and I'll go back to uh, Honorable Chirwa. I want to speak on uh, clause 47.3 and the ANC supports this clause for the following reasons. And then additionally, we also want to make an amendment to that clause. And the reasons are that the requirement for the tribunal to ensure that it reaches a decision on a particular matter within the stipulated 180 days, whilst it ensures that any aggrieved party is given feedback and redress within the said timeline, requires that consideration be given to appellants, whether as users, service providers, or suppliers, to be given expeditious redress. In comparing similar organizations such as the Council for Medical Schemes, the appeal must be lodged within three months after the decision was made. This appeal has a prescribed format and must be in the format of an affidavit. Furthermore, the decision that is being appealed against is suspended pending the outcome of the hearing. The ANC proposes that the 180 days be reduced to 90 days and the clause to be amended as follows. The appeal tribunal must determine the outcome of the appeal within 90 days after the lodgement of the appeal and inform the appellant of the decision in writing and the secretariat appointed in section 46 must keep record of all proceedings and outcomes. The decision that is being appealed against is suspended pending the outcome of the hearing. This promotes administrative justice, which requires that public institutions adhere to due process principles when making administrative decisions and taking actions. The principles of administrative justice include three principles here, lawful action, reasonableness, and procedural, procedurally fairness. In terms of lawful action, the decision must have been taken by an official duly 
authorized to do so and must not be inconsistent with the confines of applicable legal framework. In terms of reasonableness, all decisions and ensuing actions must meet the rationality test and must be fit for purpose. And in terms of being procedurally fair, the affected parties must be given a reasonable notice, must be consulted, and the decision-making process must be impartial. The uh, Honorable Churwa, I'm coming back to you now. Let's see if we can hear you. I am also looking at the WhatsApp uh, group to see if you had posted, you hadn't posted anything to me. Honorable Tembequayo, has anything been posted to you? And if not, Honorable Churwa, you can send uh, your input to the committee secretary so that it is recorded. I think in this case, um, yes, we would have to ensure that your input is recorded. Honorable Kava? No, Chair, I think that is our standard practice wherein I support that the submission from Honorable Chiwa may be sent and also raising my hand to support your submission, Chair. Thank you. Thank you very much. And also, as finally, I support the submissions made by Honorable Suwela, Kela, Kaba, Avat. Thank you, Honorable Members. Honorable Members, we are going to Honourable members, we're going to end at clause 47. Those who want to leave, who are not members of the committee, are very welcome to do so, so that we will continue with our discussions. Don't forget, uh, just as a reminder, to forward your, your, your submissions in written format to the committee secretary, I have to remind you, all of you, and I hope you have complied to date. Maybe uh, you must drop a matrix from me uh, on the, uh, Ms. Major Lambert so I can uh, have a look at who submitted and who has not. At the end. All right, so you're not doing that on an ongoing basis. The same applies to us, EFF. We'll submit towards the end, Chairperson. Thank you. Uh, not day by day. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Members. So that's the next uh, part of our discussions would be um, the minutes of the previous meetings for consideration and adoption. And I'm going to see where I can read from. I'm going to try to read from that screen. You can see the minutes of the 31st of August, 2022 on the screens, honorable members. First page, make certain that you, you capture to be present or to have apologized. I think if we just go back, to Sheikh Imam, uh, I know uh, it's big confusion of Sheikh Imam and Imam Sheikh. Uh, Sheikh Imam is correct. He doesn't mention. Yeah, and he doesn't. And, well, 
I hear he doesn't mind, so uh, I hope he accepts my apology if he does mind that he raises it with me. All right, on my second page. Thank you. That's what we had discussed. Expressed concern the members who have joined the meeting virtually not giving a right to unmute themselves and they want to speak. So anything on uh, page two, nothing. Nothing on page one, nothing on page two, honorable members. Can I ask for a mover for adoption of these minutes? Any hand to be raised? Thank you, Honorable Siwela. Any? Thank you. Any second for the adoption of this? Honorable Kaba. I second. Let, let Honorable Siwela say that he moves for the adoption. Yes. Sorry. Okay. Thank you, Chair. I move for the adoption of the minutes. Thank you, Honorable Siwela. Honorable Kaba. Chair, I second uh, the adoption of uh, the minutes as raised by Honorable Siwela. Thank you. Thank you very much. These minutes are duly adopted, honorable members. Minutes of the 7th of September, 2022. First page. It um, makes certain that you captured there. Second page. Anything on the first page or second page, honorable members? Third page. Indication of prior adoption of minutes, honorable. Uh, and then I'm going to ask for movers for adoption, or is it something else? I just want to ask, we must still get the revised minutes for the 24th. I don't know if it was interesting. <laughs> then I'll move to for adoption. Uh, can you repeat that? No, we must still get the correct minutes of the 24th of August as revised in this meeting of the 7th yes. of September. Yes. All right. But you're adopting for this one's yes. move. You're moving for this one's adoption. Thank you very much. Any seconder for that movement of that adoption? I'm seconding. Thank you very much, Honorable Gela. Honorable members, these minutes are duly adopted. Third set of minutes of the 14th of September 2022, page one. Anything? Any? Is your name captured? Anything else? Page two. Page two. Anything on the members? Page three. Nothing. Nobody? Can I ask for a mover for adoption of these minutes? Noble Switch on your microphone. I move adoption of the minutes. Thank you. Thank you. Any second for the adoption of these minutes? Chair, I second the approval of the minutes. Thank you, Honorable Gela. 
on uh, remember these minutes are duly adopted too. Though that was the last set of minutes that we have to adopt today. Pardon? We are up to date, honorable members. I, I, I wish we would get some sort of medal we can hang it on our clothes, the committee doing its best at adopting its minutes on time. Uh, honorable members, two more things. We are hoping to have the minister for a briefing next week. It will have to be in the evening. We are proposing Wednesday evening after the sitting. I hope you'll all be available. The uh, the proper time, etc., will be communicated by the committee secretary. And um, yes, so you would you would have heard my words. We are hoping to have it on that day, but we are making every effort to request on your behalf the minister for to come for a briefing. And then very lastly, don't forget that lunch will be served. Please enjoy it. Um, and I think that brings us to the end of our meeting. Chairperson, before you close the meeting. Yes, can I just hold on? I just want to hear what my secretary is saying. Yes. Yes, uh, and, and just before I forget, Honorable Chirwan, I'll give you an opportunity. Don't forget, members, the meeting tomorrow at 10 at the Taj Hotel with the EU, with UNAIDS, those who have indicated, including our content advisors and researchers. Thank you. Uh, yes, Honorable Chirwan? Yes, Chairperson, there's three matches that I quickly want to raise quickly. Um, I want to ask if it's possible that we ask the minister to cover certain parts, and it's not just the broad uh, uh, presentation that he brings. Two matters specifically that I would want to be addressed is the Sinopharm issue. Um, I'm aware that Sapra still hasn't uh, approved for public use, but they have approved for private use. And I think it would be great if, if the department gives us clarity on why that is the case. Um, and second to that, there's also been an issue that has been brought to my office of COVID-19 testing kits through NHLS where there was undue, uh, what is this, undue interference from persons like Professor Glenda Gray, Kingston and Lord Peter Hayne in the UK directed to the NHLS on which company they must procure test kits from. And this company then got through. Um, I can send the chairperson more information for the purpose of, of the ministers coming to the meeting or coming to present to us next week. I don't have a problem with that. And lastly, I just wanted to put it on record for today's minutes or for the today's min meeting that on the 13th of September last week, I was verbally abused by uh, the parliamentary liaison officer, Joe Cutler of the minister, after following up on a medical case that they were not resolving uh, of Ndujuzi of, Matlala, of who was at the clinic for, since 4 a.m. and still didn't get a medical uh, assistance, even after following up with the minister and uh, the deputy minister who said he would assist and the uh, liaison officer of the minister and also the MEC of Health in Gauteng. Uh, Joe Hatla said to me, in response to me, saying that what they are doing is absolute nonsense, called me a bitch and said that I must come to parliament on Wednesday, that's last week, so that he will show me who he is. And I want that to be noted, not, it doesn't have to be responded to, but to just be noted that that's what has been sent also to the speaker's office and other processes are also being followed in relation to this. Thank you very much, Chairperson. 
Thank you very much. On your first one, I didn't get, when you opened your line, your first line, you mentioned what it was about, but I didn't hear you. On the Sinopharm issue, the vaccine is Sinopharm for COVID-19. Yes, it has been approved for private use in South Africa. So private facilities can can procure Sinopharm, but it hasn't been approved for public use. I want to know what the situation is in relation to that. And also, obviously, in relation to that, the Pfizer situation of the extension of Pfizer, even after numerous extensions of expired vaccines, and just those politics surrounding that particular aspect of vaccination, um, and other issues relating to vaccination, but in particular the Sinopharm issue and the NHLS issue of the procurement of COVID-19 testing kits, kits which apparently NHLS received uh, undue influence from the persons that I named. I think one of them is Professor Glenda Gray, which the NHLS also then confirmed or sent to the minister. The minister is aware of the situation that I'm speaking about, and I think you'll be able to give clarity on that. I'd like it to be in, in, included in the in the in the presentation, so it's not a, a digression of 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 lines of questions afterwards. It's just in preparation that the minister can come to the meeting or, the, or present to us or prepare for my question and not just get an obscure uh, response from the minister in relation to this. Thank you very much. Uh, to the two hands raised uh, on the platform uh, in the room, uh, Honorable Van Staden first and then Honorable Kaba. Thank you, Chairperson. Now, there's a lot of problems happening in the in the health sector this past two weeks and so, so I would assume that we would be allowed on Wednesday evening to put most, most matters on the agenda as well so, um, when the minister is coming to us. Thank you, Honorable Kaba. No, thank you, Chair. I think uh, matters as they are noted, just that there is only one disturbing matter, Chair, which I doubt if it will be relevant for this uh, portfolio committee because uh, any member staff uh, having a problem with honorable member, uh, other other committees may be approached. Uh, I guess this committee may be not be dealing with such specific personal matters. So I think uh, that will be not for us discussing in the presence of minister. So I will propose that even to any other member, in case there is a problem, uh, other institutions may be uh, contacted on the net. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. So, honorable members, uh, you can. The person have raised my hand. Sorry about that. Sorry to interfere. Yes, honorable Jirwa. Um, I'm assuming that Kaba is referring to what I said. I'm not asking for any intervention. I wanted it to be noted that I've said this in this particular meeting that this situation that I face in regards to my work in this portfolio committee and a member of parliament with someone that's entrusted with li- with liaising with us in relation to health matters in the minister's office. It is very relevant for this committee. I'm not asking for an engagement or a debate on this issue, but that the secretary of this portfolio committee noted in the meeting minutes that this is what I stated in this on this particular day in this portfolio committee meeting. That is all. The other alternatives of dealing with the situation have been already followed up on with the guidance of the chief of my party, DP Floyd Shivambu, and I'm not asking for an interrogation or a discussion or whatever. It is relevant because I'm a PC member of this portfolio committee, member of this portfolio committee, and this is a person that I work with. I did not come last week, Wednesday, because somebody threatened me. I could not come to Cape Town last week because somebody told me I must come and they will show me who he is. This is a man speaking to me, telling me that I must come to work tomorrow because he will show me who he is. It is very relevant for this portfolio committee that I cannot attend a meeting physically because I'm threatened with violence by somebody who attends our portfolio committee meetings. That is all. 
Thank you, Honorable uh, Chirwa. Honorable members, what you're doing is not right. This is not a matter for discussion. Honorable Chirwa asked that it be noted. And I'm going to make a ruling with regards to this. We're now discussing a matter that does not need to be discussed. So I'm not going to take any hands now. Honorable Chirwa, thank you. We, we notice what the, 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 the issues you had raised that you suggest need to be discussed with the minister. Then we also raise honorable, uh, we also notice uh, honorable Van Staden's suggestions on the agenda. I'm going to request that you send in writing any items that you want to discuss to the committee secretary. But I'm going to tell you that you need to be mindful of the time limitations because if each of you send one item, we're not going to be able to manage it. If each of you send two or three items, it's going to be even a worst case scenario. So let us be mindful also of the time that will be allocated to that discussion. I think that's it on the agenda. So it includes everything else said by Honorable Chirwa. Then as far as your complaint with Honorable, uh, with uh, Mr. Joe Hatla is concerned, uh, I think Honorable uh, Chirwa, you said it is for noting and you know the process and procedure you are going to follow with regards to that complaint. It is not something that you, as you had correctly put, something that we as a committee would, would deal with. So, honorable members, thank you very much for your attendance today. This meeting is adjourned.